be hitting this. Oh, recording in progress. Um, so what I do is <laughs> we, we think we're running anyway. Uh, we'll see how things go. Hopefully everything will be smooth as butter. Because um, anyway, that's how technology works. It's yeah. always perfect. It always does exactly what you want it to do. Obviously, yeah. I've, I've had many issues with this. I've had to keep an eye on this computer so many times. If um, I've got somebody in the room with me, I have the computer over here and just, is it still recording? Is, are we still all right? Um, just, just to check that the battery's on and it, the power's switched on. It's, I had that, I think, one of my recordings. I um, I plugged it all in, but hadn't actually switched it on. So the laptop was currently dying in the background. Like, help, help me. I need, I need some power right now. Um, so as many times as I think I can check things, it's, it's never quite enough um but That's yeah just, pretty standard <laughs> yeah and i said just trying to get the kids sort of ready for bed and then you're rushing around and they always got something else to say and so just i gotta go i've got an appointment i gotta go so <laughs> take a deep breath <laughs> and and that's how we shall begin so um welcome um melissa who's melissa yeah <laughs> I'm uh, sure it so my Melanie. My full name is Melissa. I Melissa. go by Mel or Mo. Mel, yeah, I see that in the background. Very nice. As you can <laughs> see, currently my studio consists of me being in the garage. Um, <laughs> I did have a really nice space set up once upon a time, but uh, I got swiped away from under my feet. So um, it happens. It happens. happens. So, you, you, you know, we deal with what we've got. So currently this is garage. Hey, um, it's better than nothing definitely better than nothing and it's one of them things i've had to sort of get through my head is that perfection is not necessary for a conversation um as long as everybody sounds all right and you have a good communication then it all works out fine in the end um but anyway um if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself uh, to my listeners and what it is that we're kind of going to talk about today and then we'll dive straight into it all right. So yeah, my name is Mel, uh, which is what most people call me. And I am a, professionally speaking, I am a senior design lead at an email service provider. So it's a SaaS technical company. Uh, we have a software that we do. And then I work in the uh, department that actually designs and builds stuff for our clients. So I have a super um, high stress very hectic, busy job, 40 hours a week, sometimes more. And then after work, I currently am podcasting. We have a true crime podcast called The Squonk and the Hag, which I run with my friend Kraken. Yeah. Uh, we go by our streamer names. So I'm Mo in that regards. And then uh, I used to stream for a while. I streamed for about two years doing video game streaming, but it turned out that it was very, 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 very bad for my mental health. It was long hours, super high stress. I put a lot of ex uh, internal pressures on myself. So yeah. it was really not healthy for me. So I actually kind of diverted and I really discovered a love of podcasting when I did that. So I, it worked out. It was a really good segue. It was a good yeah. step to it. 
Um, in terms of what we're going to talk about today, I actually, I have had an anxiety disorder my entire life. So I remember being three, four years old and terrified to go to sleep because I might not wake up and running to my parents, but I didn't know how to communicate that. You know, when you're a small child, how do you tell your parents that you are having a panic attack because you think you're going to die? It's it's definitely scary. And it was back in the eighties when mental health wasn't what it is today. You know, today we're much more aware and it's okay to get treatment. But back in the day, if you were seeing a therapist, you were crazy. Crazy. So, yeah. So I, I spent a lot of my youth undiagnosed. And then, um, once it was diagnosed, I, I'm on a daily medication routine. I am in weekly therapy. I, you know, have, a, I've learned a lot of coping skills over the years and things like that, but it's something that I still, still struggle with every day. Uh, it's, it's not fun. I working from home and I hate to say this, but the pandemic for me kind of was I don't want to say a good thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a positive thing, but it uh, led the world into this um, work from home remote mentality. And I now can, I don't have to go into the office every day. I can have my bad days in private. I can, um, you know, I have cats who are kind of therapy animals a little bit. So, uh, you know, that, that working from home thing has really benefited me, sure. even though it came from something catastrophic and horrible. Yeah. I never want to, never want to glaze over that. Like <laughs> the pandemic was not a good thing, no. but um, yeah. So I am very lucky in the fact that throughout the years, gathering all these skills and um, knowledge and things like that, I finally come to a place that works well for me where I can avoid my triggers. And when I do have either a panic attack or an anxiety episode, I at least know how to deal with it better. I know how to see it coming a little sooner. Um, So yeah, that's, it's a little bit about me. Um, I'm, I'm married. I have a bunch of cats. (laughs) That's that's my life. Okay. So the, you say it obviously happened and you were afraid to go to sleep. Do you know if there was ever a particular trigger for that? Like, could have been a TV program or conversations no. overheard? Um, they've actually, through like all the doctors and stuff like that, they've determined it is a genetic condition. Um, right, both okay. my parents have issues with anxiety. My brother and sister do. And it is just a chemical imbalance in the brain. Right. And um, unfortunately, I pretty much normal stressors are like really bad stressors for me. Really wow. bad stressors for me are like catastrophic, you know, really bad stressors for people are kind of catastrophic for me. So it's wow. just like this, this raised chemical level of the, I forget what it is, but whatever triggers the fight or flight. Yep. Um, at, it, I've had it my entire life. Uh, okay. They're. I've had a really great childhood. I have an awesome family. Like, uh, I've never actually had, like, I've never witnessed somebody die. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a dead body up close. So this fear of death, 
I still don't know where it came from, yeah. other than like the normal people are afraid of the uncertain and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But um, yeah, they, they nobody. It's that's what's kind of scary when it's um, just genetic or chemical based. Is yeah. you you can't just pinpoint and deal with that thing that, that thing. happened. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's, it's um something I heard a little while ago was about like kids being afraid of the dark and the monsters under the bed is that um, inbuilt or ingrained thing into our DNA of being afraid of big cats when we were younger, what like thousands of years ago when everything was trying to kill us. So we had that natural thing ingrained in us about death and protecting ourselves from monsters in the dark because being dark meant you're probably going to die unless you, you know, snuggled up in your cave and all, boarded up and stuff and say boarded up like yeah wood you know and nails and hammers <laughs> available in the in the uh caveman period times whatever you want to call it um and the same for like say like even falling you know along a big fall is going to kill you you don't need to test that theory you already automatically know at the cliff's edge if you go any further you're going to cause a problem so we assume we have the, a few of those things built in that protect us but yours is obviously just ramped up to a point where it causes that that anxiety um did it ever stop you from doing anything else as a kid anything you think that you could have missed out on because of it the biggest thing that i've missed out on my life is social that's what's the big i have like really bad social anxiety um i was So I already have this natural anxiety and this ramped up fear of everything. (laughs) Uh, But I, um, I was also bullied as a kid because I was the chubby nerd who was like really good in school and always did, you know, I didn't break the rules and I didn't get in trouble and you know, all that stuff. So I got made fun of a lot. And um, I think that made it worse uh, to the point that, um, you know, I, I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to go and interact. So I spend, I'd say 99.9% of my life thinking people are judging me. Everybody is, you know, seeing the flaws and making fun of me and doing all those things. So uh, that took a huge hit to my self-confidence and my self-esteem and everything like that. And I actually because of that, I diverted my focus onto um, basically what I could control, which is my talents, my career, my, um, you know, being good at what I do. So people look at that instead of looking at me and um, all that kind of stuff. So there, yeah, it, it was, uh, there wasn't a lot of stuff that I can see that made things worse, except for kids being horrible kids. You yeah. know, it's it's a very common theme that you Indeed. see. Like I, uh, I, I obviously am a true true crime. Um, I don't want to say enthusiast, <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, I am fascinated by these things. And a yeah. lot of times, you hear about you know they were bullied, they were made fun of, they were treated poorly and things like that. And, uh, it does, it does screw with your head. It's something that's really hard to get, get past. And I'm also the youngest of three. (laughs) So I had a big brother and a big sister and, you know, 
siblings yeah. are ruthless to each other <laughs> certainly can be um yeah I've, I've got well we're from split and remarried families so our original bunch there was three of us and I was the middle one um our older sister and then a younger sister in that group and then I've gone and got two other sisters and then brother since so we're, we're a big family but yeah the, the whole sibling thing can be challenging at times uh, and I think it depends on your, your family structure as well like we had other things to to contend with that some obviously it's quite a common thing for families to split up and uh you know divorce and remarry and then you have the, all the custody battles and things like that um that was all a bit of a bit of a shake up for us as kids and quite a lot to deal with I think was more to deal with than our parents ever realized as well I don't think they quite realized how much that would affected us um but yeah I'd say I went through the schools the bullying the same same thing where you're intelligent you want to do good you want to turn up you don't want to cause problems and that in itself is a problem for children who do want to be a problem um, yeah. So I, I understand the bullying thing and the, the, the being self the judged and judging yourself on other people's perception of you as well. Um, I dealt with that for a, for a long time, um, even even up until fairly recently. Um, but I know for me now, I no longer care what people think of me. <laughs> but it took a, it took a lot of self reflection and, funnily enough, sort of starting this podcast or at least talking about starting this podcast with people to say this occurred and this happened la 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 led me to being suicidal as a teen um but since telling people that and telling my parents that and speaking to everyone I meet about that it has opened my mind to some of the problems that I had um namely that a lot of the memories I had are kind of distorted as well um yeah but but yeah so the bullying thing is is a hard thing especially say with that anxiety thing let's just say ramped it up even even further um and it's not nice to feel judged all the time for everything that you do um, yeah. yeah yeah i am um, oddly enough content creation had a, a very similar a similar effect for me because yeah. i um now i was already married and all that stuff so it wasn't like you know a lot of people are like think about how it affects your romantic life and all that stuff but I you know I didn't think very highly of myself and then I started putting myself out there on the internet because Chris was like that's my husband's name he was like uh I worry about you because you don't leave the house yeah I was like oh so I tried to find an avenue for it and then once I got out in there out into YouTube Twitch now podcasting I started meeting people and finding some of my own worth yeah. that I didn't realize because we never see ourselves the way that we are no. we, we see ourselves how we think other people see us so like I see you on the screen and I you look like this cool put together like chill dude with like tattoos and, a cool hat <laughs> and all that stuff whereas now I'm hearing that you had all these same worries and doubts and fears and yeah. um issues obviously depression and anxiety are very different but they also are very the same a lot of them i found out are treated by a lot of the same um medications because okay. it's a lot of the same chemicals it's just how they sort of fire in the brain as right. to what what is the lovely result that you get 
and by lovely, I mean awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, it's actually interesting how it really changes you. I know um, slightly different from you. When I started getting into content creation, I started learning how to do makeup. I started learning uh, more about, uh, I guess, physical presentation. So learn how to do my hair better and yeah. you know what haircut fits my face and uh, all that kind of stuff. And you know, looks, everyone always says it looks don't matter. But when you look in the mirror and you see yourself and you're like, Oh, I don't look like an absolute train wreck today. <laughs> you feel better about yourself. <laughs> and you, it, it starts building that confidence up. Yeah. And, uh, when I at work, I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of presentation to our clients and things like that. So I will do calls with our clients. I have presented on stage to our clients as well as to the company and stuff like that. And I think a few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Or I mean, I could have gone up on the stage and talked, but it wouldn't have been good. Yeah. Whereas once I I really learned all of this stuff that went with content creation and internet presentation and things like that, it has slowly helped me build that skill set repertoire. So it still isn't a focus on what do I look like? What do people think of me? You know, what do I sound, you know, sound like? How do people hear me? More so than, okay, if I do my makeup this way and I speak and enunciate this way, and if I, you know, am close to the microphone versus far away, and then I start focusing on those little things. Yeah. And then afterwards, you have people who are like, oh my God, that was amazing. Oh my God. And then it just builds up this pride and this confidence that helps you cope with all those little thoughts in the back yeah. of your head that yeah. just won't go away. So I pretty much in the front, I keep all the good stuff. And then yeah. back there, I'm just like, just go away. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's really good that that has so opened that up for you, like the content creation thing and finding a way that you can present yourself that makes you feel so much better as well about it. Um, it's so easy to judge yourself on, say, your appearance compared to others, especially in a modern world where everybody is presenting their best version all the time. Um, I try to my best on any Instagram or whatever to always show the mess that I create. You know, if I'm at jujitsu or I'm at the gym, I'm a sweaty, ugly, drippy, bloody mess, you know, because... That's its reality. My reality is I have two kids that try to stay up as late as possible, that don't want to do their homework. And, yeah, we have we have a nice, happy household, but things do go wrong. Things do get in a mess. And I wouldn't, well, I say I wouldn't use a filters for my face. Every now and then we might put a filter, but it's a comedy version filter, not like, look at me with my perfectly chiseled jaw, because... It's not, look, at, look at this thing that I photoshopped for six yeah, hours. <laughs> yeah, I've spent six hours presenting this one photograph. Um, but yeah, so that's that's not me. And I want to make sure obviously my kids are well aware that um, there's a lot of social media that isn't real. Um, they don't have social media because I don't think it's not right for them. My daughter's 11. 
it's still not right for her yet to be having social media from my yeah. perspective yeah because it, it is quite a harmful thing i think with um the way people comment the way people abuse each other uh and the way you say people present themselves you can make an awful lot of money doing this if you look this amazing um for all of 10 seconds watch it sucking your gut in and poking your chest out and yeah. you know, clenching all your muscles for all of 10 seconds um but yeah, the, the content creation thing for me is I sort of suddenly realized a little while ago that I've kind of always had a camera in my hand, probably for the past 20 years. Um, not that I've ever created anything magnificent with it, but I've always liked to try and film some things, but it's always something different. Um, I recently discovered a video that we made. I went to work in Mallorca, one of the Spanish islands, um, okay. when I was 18. And me and my roommate we filmed a lot of the silly stuff we got up to. Um, and we've just both re-watched that video for the first time in almost 20 years. And it's it's, it's kind of shocking to look back at it. Blimey, I was so tiny and we were so stupid. But um, but yeah, ever since that moment, I've been, been kind of filming stuff. Uh, and I enjoyed doing it. I just don't have that one thing that I'm dead good at. Because I like to just experience all sorts of stuff um yeah. but yeah so the, the podcasting thing's a new thing but I, I wanted to talk about my problems and in doing that discovered a lot of people share a lot of similarities um with those things and finding that talking to people and sharing I think could be really beneficial and if it can help anybody out there with making them feel like they're not alone that's to me a huge benefit you know and say so some of the feedback we're getting so far is good so here we are. We're going to keep going and we're going to keep talking about these things that try to hold us back. But as you are proving in the way you're speaking is that you are finding a way to bring yourself above it and doing something that's really cool, like with the streaming and podcasting and speaking live on stage. And so I assume someone with anxiety must be incredibly difficult. Uh, yeah. At the, at the beginning, it was, it was terrifying because uh, you do have to put yourself out there yeah but uh i i did a little bit uh, you you say about talking about your mental health and exposing that you aren't perfect that you aren't you know there are issues i mean i guess the analogy that kind of comes to my mind because we're redoing our bathroom or i'm yeah. redoing our bathroom and my <laughs> husband's standing there saying that looks really nice yeah uh but like people see the end photo with the nice floor, the wallpaper, yeah. the decorations. They don't see that right now I don't have an upstairs toilet because it is in pieces on the floor because my husband fixing it. Yeah. Like, so trying to go out there and show those pieces that are torn apart and broken on the floor. Like yeah. you said, you go on your social media and you show pictures of you real. Like, this is what is happening. This is what's going on. Um, you know, that I tried to do the same thing and that also has helped me cope with it. So I would, I would go on stream and while we're playing video games and having silly conversations, you know, talking about having anxiety issues, having um, all of these problems, um, talking about when I would have a panic attack, talking about when this would happen and next thing you know people in chat would be like i have the same thing or i have something similar or i've experienced that my wife is like that you know and you start 
making these connections with these people and not only are you helping them to not feel alone but you're helping yourself to not yeah. feel alone it's not just me it's it's lots of people um i know w- when celebrities come out um i guess a few celebrities have come out lately of having anxieties and yeah. having anxiety disorders i guess uh that singer uh camille camilla caballo yeah i can't say like- her name I have no Spanish heritage whatsoever. I cannot pronounce the double L's yeah. properly, but, uh, you know, she was coming out talking about her anxiety issues and things like that. And it's treated as so shocking and, oh my God. And it's like the most people have either they at some point in their life have to deal with their mental health over something, whether it is a temporary thing because they lost their significant other or a parent or something like that, or if it's a long-term chronic disorder, if it is something that it could be, you know, triggered partway through their life, but it's still a long-term trauma, um, all these different things. Everybody has to deal with that at some point in their life and to make it out like the media. uh, I hate the media sometimes because they, you know, you need to be this stick thin, perfect, beautiful, mentally healthy, wonderful, no issues, never did anything wrong in your life. But, you know, they, they make it out to be such a, a, wild out there thing that somebody might have a mental illness and it's like but a lot of people do yeah yeah and yeah like there's different severities you know uh you have everything from a super mild anxiety for a few weeks to somebody who has hallucinations and all that kind of stuff it has to be institutionalized like it's a broad spectrum it's just like your physical health in my opinion yeah and when you have problems with your physical health, you do with you do something with it. It's very true. I'm try, trying to deal with some. My, I've got an issue with my leg at the minute, and it's just getting me down. Like it stops me from doing exercise, and that's that's no uh, good. I need. See, need, uh, I'm I'm getting old, so for me, it's my back. <laughs> yeah. Well, my back probably started having issues. I think it was close to about eight years ago. Um, so I have to go and see the osteopath or a chiropractor every now and then. Um, so for, like, for work, I have to carry a ladder a lot on tools and it, then you'll all put your back off a kilter a lot. So um, yeah. I have to deal with that. Um, first started like, being just something popped and then I couldn't walk. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Um, so I had to get that sorted. So yeah, I've got back issues, <laughs> uh, knee issues. Um, my, my body's a wreck, but a lot of that is my fault. So yeah. Same, same. Yeah so what other than um so your content creation what kind of stuff did you enjoy to do when you was when you were younger I've always been creative I've always been so growing up I am allergic to grass and when I was younger I was very allergic to grass um so I couldn't go outside and play like the normal kids I um when I was a baby, I actually had to go to the ER because my mom was like, oh, look, we'll put you out here on the blanket. And I crawled in the grass. My eyes swelled shut. I had hives everywhere. I couldn't breathe. 
So as a kid, I had to spend a lot of time indoors. So I learned to sew. I learned to cross stitch, knit, crochet, embroider. I did beadwork. I pretty much anything creative that you can get at a craft store, painting, drawing, uh, all of that kind of stuff. So I always got into that. And that eventually led me into the graphic design route. So I'm creative all day, every day um, now. Uh, I also always liked stuff like Legos and, you know, uh, like bar with my Barbies. I always wanted to build the big house and yep. I wanted, you know, so all that stuff. Cause I almost became an architect actually. Okay. Uh, and then I went into the creative realm instead, but I, you know, I always had something, had to do something creative. And then part of the anxiety is I always need something to do. I always have to have something in my hands or else I do this all the time. (laughs) I I talk with my hands a lot. So I, I took up, um, especially once I started getting diagnosed and figuring things out. So when I sit, like, I can't just sit and watch a movie or sit and watch TV. I have to be fiddling and doing something. So that's when I really got into knitting. Okay. And I, um, I've knit everything from sweaters to blankets and socks and scarves and all that kind of stuff. So I, it, I really enjoyed it because my, my grandmother taught me to knit when I was like six years old yeah. or something like that. And I've done research over the years through it that when you have a, first of all, creativity is very good for your mental health. Uh, they've done many, many studies for it. They've even um, in like a uh, a hospice environment, they have seen it helps people with Alzheimer's okay. for, you know, it's, it's temporary. It's yeah. not a long-term solution, but they, when they do any kind of creative activity, it, it changes their, their uh, brain chemicals. Yeah. It actually is such a good thing. And when you do something creative that produces some sort of final product so if you knit a sweater you have a sweater if you do woodworking or anything like that if you create something there's a pride in it that look at this thing i made it might not be good but i made it yeah i took this ball of yarn and i turned it into this lumpy thing for you <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it, it creates a sense of pride which boosts your um is it serotonin yeah that's the sleepy one is that the okay serotonin's the happy it's i always confuse serotonin and melatonin right <laughs> so it boosts your serotonin yeah. and then when you get that boost it makes you feel good so yeah. you do it more and you do it more and you do it more so I, um, I've always done something where I come up with a final result. Um, whether, you know, when I was the kid, my mom, my mom's a seamstress. She yeah. is like one of the greatest tailors I've ever met. And it's nice because if you need something done, I don't have to pay for it. But uh, she, she taught me to sew. She taught me to make doll clothes when I was a kid and I would do that. And it was fun. I never got into it the way she did, but that was another thing that I would, you know, make dresses for my stuffed animals. I, um, I'm a huge hockey fan and uh, John LeClaire from the Philadelphia Flyers was my favorite 
hockey player. Okay. Um, and I had a stuffed teddy bear that I named Johnny LeBear instead of Johnny LeClaire. Okay. And I made him a little hockey jersey and yeah. <laughs> he embroidered it and everything like that. So it was, you know, things like that kind of got me through. And it's stuff that, you know, I would I would just be able to sit by myself and create things. And I mean, that's still kind of what I do like all day long. I sit here in my office at home and I create yeah. stuff. And it it creates, like I said, that sense of pride. Uh, I am very, uh, I'm very proud of the things that I do. I'm very proud of the work that I do, um, the the creative stuff that I I make. Uh, right now, I'm on this slipper sock kick where I've just been making like a million pairs of slipper socks. Okay. To wear this winter. Right. <laughs> uh, but it's like I don't know. It really, it's one of those things that it just, it makes you feel good. Um, and I have a a friend who does, um, acrylic paintings and, uh, she, she always sends me and she sends me pictures and like DMS and stuff on discord. And she's like, I did this and I think it came out. Okay. And I'm like, it's beautiful. And it's like, you have so much fun doing it. So like she does, it's like the drip art where well, you okay, like yeah. swirl the stuff and all yeah. that and they're just lovely and like i i hope that she's getting some of the same stuff because you know it's not something like yes i've been knitting for 35 years yeah it takes a long time to build skill sets like that but there are things that you can do that are simple you know yeah. you can knit squares and make washcloths you can do a painting that doesn't require like photorealistic oil yeah. paintings, yeah. you know, things like that. And you get the same benefits out of them. Yeah. You you feel just as good when you're done. And especially if it's something that you can have in your everyday life. So if you um, painted something and you hang it on your wall, you can look at that painting yeah. every single day and get that same rush. Um, you know, my slipper socks. Every day when I wear my slipper socks, I feel <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, they're they're not so. I'm trying to use up yarn. I'm a yarn collector, and I have way too much yarn. Um, so they're obnoxious, horrible colors. Yeah, but they're mine, <laughs> and my feet are warm. Yeah, you get and nice cozy toes all winter. Ah, yes, I love it. Ugh, so good. So it's it's all these little things, um, and you know, I started developing it when I was a kid not realizing how important it was and how important it would be to my my future self of being able to have a a creative outlet being able to create that serotonin and all that stuff and then the other thing that with that in particular is I um I read I read a lot of articles about random stuff and they have proven that when you're doing something repetitive like knitting crocheting um you know just any kind of thing that's repetitive like that it lulls your mind so when you have all those anxieties spinning around and then you start doing it it just kind of calms you down without you even realizing it so that's another like super helpful thing from it and then uh there's a lot of events Uh, you'll notice i'm a rambler (laughs) i i am a rambler but uh, I recently learned from my therapist, she's going to be so proud of me, uh, 
that when you do very analytical stuff like research yeah. or um, Excel documents, anything like that, that is also really good because it shuts off the part of your brain that is filled with the anxieties, the worries, the fears, the sadness, and it turns on the side of your brain that is focused on the analytical yeah. and it actually will help you. So she's like, you know, when you're really anxious, do some research for the podcast yeah. or something like that. And it actually has really helped because, you know, I stop worrying about, um, you know, nine million other things and i'm focused on serial killers and murder <laughs> I, I, I don't see how that's healthy but my i'm told do some research well it, it, it's funny actually i i keep getting picked up for uh watching murder documentaries and the kids <laughs> my wife a joke with the kids are saying that daddy's planning how to not get caught when he kills me <laughs> so the kids are always are you watching another murder documentary you planning on killing mom so like, no I don't, I don't know what it is about the murder documentaries i said they're, they're they're kind of interesting to get into the the minds of these people to see kind of what went so wrong um i mean, there, there's a one that sticks with me a lot recently is that uh uh the american murderer which i think was on Netflix could well be called something completely different in America, but it was the gentleman who like, wanted a, a whole new life. So murdered his wife and his two kids just to I, be with somebody else. Like, yeah, whoa. I was actually talking to someone about that this morning Yeah, um, at work because oddly enough, yeah, it was called American Murderer on yeah. ours, um, okay. our Netflix as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so one of the things with true crime is the people who really get into these shows and the podcasts and things like that it's because you're hearing something you couldn't fathom yeah and it's like how can somebody do something like that how can you um so like the the woman i was talking to today at work she has two little kids yeah and she's like how 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 yeah and to see what the human mind is capable of like yeah. especially when you get into um people you know serial killers uh you know different people who have done some of the darkest things a human being can do because I know a lot of people are into horror movies because it's the monsters and the, yeah. the creepy things that go bump in the night. And if you really truly think about it, the the true monsters are just people, people. who, yeah. oh boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a few mm. broken people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's it's fascinating in a very dark, morbid way to to see just just how much people are capable of yeah. uh i obviously i'm very into true crime <laughs> i watch the documentaries i listen to the podcasts and there are times where like um you hear about something and you're like oh my god that's the worst thing i've ever heard yeah and then it could be weeks it could be months you hear another thing and it's the worst thing you've ever heard yeah. and it outdoes the last thing and it's just one of these things that you are 
entranced by something that you could never do. So it's kind of along the same lines of like, you do martial arts and stuff like that. I could never do that. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. (laughs) So cool. But it's, you know, it's not something that I have ever done. And yes, if I wanted to train for years and years and years, I could probably do it. But it's, to me, it's fascinating that you're capable of that. Yeah. And this is just like the dark alternative of, holy crap, that dude that you just talked about killed his wife and his two kids. Yeah. Like nothing happened. Yeah. And it just, it's one of those things that the, we are fascinated by the things we can't explain. Sure. And yes, mental health comes into a lot of those stories. Uh, head injuries often come into them, especially yeah. with like the the really, really bad ones. But it's it's just one of those things that we get oddly fascinated by it. But then we're like, oh, that's probably shouldn't be into this, but let's watch another episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I found myself watching quite a lot. There's uh, um, I Am A Killer. Been watching that series. Um, a few of the I Am The Killer ones, I was, some of them are obviously... Uh, spur well, a lot of them are kind of spur of the moment things, not necessarily serial killer, what not. Some yeah. of them are accidental, some of them, you know, um, just kids on drugs and whatever and yeah. spending their life in prison. But, but they're interesting to you see a completely different side of that mentality that you know, what type of people are out there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do enjoy watching them and I it's like that, just that curiosity, I suppose, and the fact that what listening to it like how have you just managed to do that and completely don't care just wiped it from your brain and just cracking on with your day like nothing yeah. happened um but but yeah 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 true crime so do you have a favorite um of a like a true crime event type documentaries that you that you go I, back so to i'm gonna, I, write, I'm gonna um, write a note down i'm gonna see what it is <laughs> I'm a serial killer person. Right. You're a serial I, killer I, person. That yeah. Came, yeah, that came out very bad. I am yeah. not a serial killer. I'm a serial killer. <laughs> Big pause. I am. Um, but how do I get no, I, it is, it is those people that just can't stop. Yeah. Um, now, I, I did recently, that's um, actually, I haven't recorded it yet, but we have an episode coming up where I looked into a local true crime. Okay. And, um, it was just a one-off kill, but that one kind of like, it was like a gut punch to me, uh, especially since because it was local, I was able to like the local newspaper had all kinds of stuff like that. And I was actually able to like, see what the victim, like his past. And yeah. you know, they're like, he was the sweetest guy on the planet. And like, they just talked about all these great things he did. And I was like, okay, I'm, I actually had to stop researching a few times because I was crying so much. But in general, when I'm like, I want to throw on true crime documentary, I'm going to go to like Gacy and Ramirez and Bundy. um, And, you know, I, I watch, and even though I know the stories, like I know what Gacy did yeah. and I still watched the new one and I watched the new one. Yeah. Um, I also, I guess second place would be Colts. Okay. <laughs> I have, I have odd fascinations with things, but um, yeah. So like, you know, I, I am always fascinated by the serial killers. And every time I learn of a new serial killer, I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta find more out 
about that. Yeah. Like um, I just recently uh, did a ton of research on um, Alexander Pachushkin in Russia, who right. um, that was in the nineties, I think it was. And then, um, but then like next to that, you know, the Manson cult, Jonestown, yeah. Heaven's Gate, all those types of things. And I don't know why it just the large, it's and something about the scale of it. Um, you know, when you have someone who they didn't just kill once, they killed no. 60 people. Yeah. And it's like, and then the like you said, go on with their life like nothing. Like it's like, oh yep, just killed that dude. Um yeah. buried him under the like, kitchen and forget my dinner. Yeah, well, like there there have been ones where they would like literally kill someone go to the kitchen make something to eat yeah and they just be like eating a sandwich yeah 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 and it's like you know um i guess like for me it's really it's crazy because like one time i hit a squirrel with my car it <laughs> ran out in front of me yeah i couldn't i couldn't stop i had to pull over because i was crying yeah because i hit a squirrel and we're talking about a person who has family, maybe yeah. kids, brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, and like acting as though it didn't matter. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it, it's insane to me. And then to do it once is enough, but to do it again and again and again and again. And the, like a lot of them had head, head injuries that you can kind of explain it, but not all of them did. Yeah. And it's just like, what possessed you to be like this? Yeah. What what could have possibly driven you? And a lot of them, it like if you look into their backstories, I, I always like doing a lot of like in-depth research into their past as well. And a lot of them do have bullying in there. They yeah. do have broken homes, abuse, um, sometimes really, really bad abuse, but it's like what could have possibly made the wires in your brain misconnect yeah. that bad? Um, it's just, it's insane to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, again, it's, that's, that's one of them things that sort of has been highlighted to me is that you, you, you think that you've got things really bad and then you, you look at other people's stories and go, actually, as much as it felt awful, it really wasn't that bad, you know, like it, when I, I struggled with bullying and had to so I have a two mile walk home to what felt like an empty house um, to then get up in the morning and do a two mile walk to school every day, knowing that I was going to be miserable. Um, so that the whole process of a whole day just felt awful. You're going home to be lonely and you're going to go to school to be lonely. But then to find out I've got, a couple of friends who, well, one of them so far has been on the podcast, another one I'm due to speak to, um, who had things so much worse, but you never knew. You just didn't know. Um, you know, the reasons they behaved the way they did was because they had, you know, violence and abuse at home that you just weren't aware of. And in speaking to, let's say, one of my friends uh, on this podcast, just to realise what he was going through uh, when we were good friends at sort of eight or nine years old, um, it was bloody horrible to listen to. And think, you know, um, he would he had a sleepover at my house and was worried at my house that somebody was going to hurt him in the middle of the night, so he couldn't sleep. And it'd be worried that his own friend, like myself, 
would hurt him or do something to him or my dad would uh, and never never knew that he felt like that while he was there um, but he didn't know what like a proper loving family looked like you know yeah. um, and he was getting abused in in his bedroom at night he was like shit I, I did go home to a house where people love me you know I never had that you know, you're supposed to, yeah. you're supposed to be surrounded by, you know, love and protection at home. And we can't have that for however many hours you're there of a day and the weekends and stuff. Yeah. That's as a kid, that's just, yeah, that's messed up. But yeah. So yeah. And then I, it, some people deal with it. Like some people, they get through it and they move yeah. on and they have a healthy adulthood and, you know, they're they're strong and proud and all that stuff and then other people it drives them to drink and drugs yeah. and throw their life away and then other people in the middle of the road and things like that and then some people are like i'm just gonna kill people yeah <laughs> it's, it's so weird yeah. it's so weird how the same the same issue has such different reactions yeah. And Leah, like you said, you never know what people are going through at no. home or in their personal life or the struggles that they have. I know um, one of the things that I have learned to deal with recently is that same kind of concept of everybody deals with things differently. So I have had people come and complain to me or vent or stress, you know, like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. I can't deal with this. And they tell me the situation and I'm just like, yeah. why, why are you so stressed? And then, you know, I've always been very compassionate and kind to the, to everybody, no matter what they say or what I think, you know, I'll keep it internally and be like, oh, you know, I, I'm sorry. I want to help you through this, everything like that. But then internally, I'd be like, why are you stressed? I have it so much worse. And then yeah. realizing that to them, it feels so much worse, yeah. even though it might not sound it to yourself as bad. Yeah. Um, so it's like finding all those different balances and levels and things yeah. like that and maintaining the um, the ability to be compassionate and caring yeah. and strong for those people in your life even though you yourself are suffering even yeah. though you are going through something awful yeah so it is hard yeah yeah i, I think an adult sucks yeah, yes yeah it does <laughs> yeah we have we have a lot lot to deal with um but and that's again a thing as a kid that you you don't understand you know so I was so oblivious to the things that say the times I thought I was alone in talking about it realizing I wasn't but the people I thought weren't giving me any time knew that if they approached me about my problems I'd tell them to do one and I'd run off and then I wouldn't talk about it so they had to wait for me to open up and they knew that but I just think there's no one around no one listening no one cares but that's not true but that's that's what say me opening up as like highlighted that people were there and they did recognize and they did notice, but they also knew that they couldn't just approach things because I'd shut down. So speaking about it to me, I think is really important. And I think it's really important for everybody to address it with somebody and speak to somebody, anybody. Um, you know, holding things in really, really, really doesn't doesn't help. 
Um, and, and speaking really, say, highlights that you, one, aren't alone, and two, your memories might not necessarily be true or twisted, because I think they say, like, you know, your memory is only as good as the last time you remembered it. And if you put a little twist on it each little time, or somebody interjects with a bit of information that's a little bit twisted to what you had, and then your memory is constantly changing over years. Um, and it's until not until you can sort of get the truth and try and look at things from a different perspective that you can see things differently and, and kind of unravel them a little bit, which is say it's helped for me. Um, so your uh, your daily routine there for yourself to be able to get up, get ready, go to work and speak so like confidently in front of people. What do you have to do from morning to, to night? Uh, it actually... Um... A lot of it starts before bedtime. Um, yeah. I I take my daily medication right before I go to bed. Yeah. Um, so that by the time it gets into my system, it's the strongest when I wake up. Right. Okay. Um, so like it, it's a small dose. So the way anxiety medication works is you get a small dose every single day to keep your levels balanced. Okay. But obviously while you're ingesting it, the last, the day before is kind of fading away a little bit. So I, I make sure I do that before bed. So I, I have like a very strict routine with that. I also take my vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, um, I am a person who does not like to get up early. So sure. because I work from home, I start work at 8.30, which means my alarm goes off at 8.15. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. I just roll out of bed and plot myself in front of the computer. But I make sure that unless it is absolutely necessary, I do not do any meetings or talk to people face to face until at least a half hour, 45 minutes into the day, because I have to mentally prepare myself, um, you know, and wake up and drink caffeine. Um, but I, I can't like, just turn it on first thing in the morning and, you know, deal with that. So I, I make sure that I schedule things appropriately. And then, um, I also, for me, almost every single time I'm going to be speaking to clients, speaking to whatever, I have advanced notice. So yeah. the the night before I look at my calendar, I'm like, okay, I have this call. I have that call. I got that meeting. I'll do this thing. And then I start mentally preparing ahead of time. And I start yeah. thinking about all the different talking points. And I'll, this is probably why I sleep like crap, but I'll be laying in bed and being like, okay, I'll gotta make sure I talk about dark mode and I talk about this and I do that and yada, yada, yada. And then I, I mentally create like a script in my head. And yeah. then when I hop on the call, I already know it. And I'm not like right now is it's a lot of rambling because I, you know, trying to find it's a conversation and it flows. Whereas when you're presenting, you have a, a strict agenda, you have a, a, a very specific thing that you need to talk yeah. to about first, second, third. So then I go into that planning phase and I really plan everything out, uh, bullet points or notes or anything like that. So that when I go into the situation, um, I guess a really great example is it was in April. I had to speak at our company's conference to a hundred plus clients. 
And I practiced that presentation so much for a month beforehand that it was completely memorized. Yeah. So that when I got up on stage, I I knew every single thing beat by beat by beat where where should i inflect my voice where should i do this where should I do that how to make it the most engaging so it wasn't well to them you know there was there was a well-planned joke there was a smile here there was you know this and that there it felt very natural it felt yeah. very fluid but it's something that i spent a month and a half perfecting yeah. and that is how I was able to get up there. Now, I almost threw up before I went on stage. <laughs> I'm not going to lie there. I was like, I was so nervous. I I actually tripped over one of the lighting rigs trying to get up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. But when I was there, uh, when I was present in front of the clients, they didn't see any of that. Yeah. They they didn't see me in my hotel room going through the presentation 90 times. They didn't see me struggling to eat breakfast because I was so nervous. Yeah. All that they saw was this person who knew this presentation beat by beat by beat. So I I'm a planner yeah. and that is how I get through it. Uh not everybody can work like that and it it's all about finding what works for you. Yeah. Um when I was, when I was out there, I was talking to other people who were presenting because it was like a, a whole day thing where it was like yeah. presenter, 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 presenter. And the, the one guy is like, yeah, I, I know the gist of it. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you not having a heart attack right now? Um, one of one of the presentations, they finished up the PowerPoint 15 minutes before their presentation. And I was like, my PowerPoint has been done for two months. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's all about finding what works for you. And one of the, one of the responsibilities with me at work is also, I, I lead the team. Like we have a team of designers and I, I tell them, you know, we want to find what works for you, what workflow works for you, what type of different responsibilities work for you. And then let's focus on that and grow that. And, you know, if you like presenting, let's work on your presentation skills. If you like documentation, let's work on your documentation skills and grow those skill sets that you like, that you are good at, that yeah. you enjoy and help elevate you with that. And it turns out for me, I'm a good public speaker. I uh, apparently have decent enunciation. I speak clearly. I don't know. Uh, so it, it was natural for me to follow that line, but I had to do it my own way. Yeah. And that is through that research, that preparation, the Planning. document, you know, uh, pages and pages and pages of notes and um note cards. I think I had a hundred note cards, but I wasn't allowed to have them on stage. So yeah. I was just like, <laughs> through all my note cards going quick, quick, quick. <laughs> yeah. and they were all color-coded uh so it it took a long time to get here yeah. um I have been with the company I'm with for seven years I've been in the industry for 15 to 20 something like that I don't know I'm bad at math but uh <laughs> you know it it took me a long time to figure out how to take who I am and the way that I am 
and make it work. So it wasn't about, because when I was first diagnosed, when I was trying to go through the things, I thought I had to change who I am. I thought I needed to be a different person. Um, And that, that is just as unhealthy as letting it go rampant. It's, it's more about being like, okay, these are my strengths. This is how I do things. How do I work with it? And I'm very lucky in the fact that I work with very understanding people who like even like managers, HR, all that stuff where I'm like, I have a problem. This is it. And they are willing to work with me on it. Uh, But a lot of it is working on it yourself as well. So finding those, those little things that can make you appear normal, I guess would be, you know, so there are people that they just can go up on stage and charm everyone in the world. Um, But then there's other people who it needs to be months of work to get to that point. And it's understanding that I'm not Steve Jobs. I'm never going to be that, but I can go and do this thing. Yeah. You know, I, I can do it this way and get similar results. <laughs> Never going to be just Steve Jobs. <laughs> Never going to be able to do that. But, you know, it it's all about a lot of self-reflection um, and self-knowledge. And I know the biggest, the biggest struggle is denial and lying to yourself. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm really good. Like I'm a terrible liar unless it's to myself. Right. <laughs> so it's getting past that and being like, you know what? That's not true. That's not true. I, I can do this. I, 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 I can do this. And just having that internal struggle. And when you are able to win that fight, because uh, you no know, matter what, the whole time you do it, your your mind and your brain is going to tell you you can't that um you're gonna fail it's gonna go terribly you're gonna you know misspeak you're gonna misrepresent the company somebody's gonna sue you because it was so bad oh my god that guy thought your presentation was so bad he choked on a thing of water and he's now a dead like your your brain (laughs) spins and spins and spins And you think of all of the worst case scenarios and you have to be like, okay, now you're just being a little crazy. (laughs) Like you just got to tell yourself, okay, just Just be real here. Calm down. Um, I know I, I started, I don't do it all the time, but there is a little, I guess, game or trick or whatever, where you do uh, best, worst, probable. And you think- Best case scenario, it's perfect. Worst case scenario, mm, probable <laughs> outcome. Yeah. And then you kind of focus on that and it helps you kind of get that clarity of, okay, so it's probably not going to be perfect, but I'm probably not going to make the whole entire planet explode. Yeah. So now what's probably going to happen? Probably going to go okay. Probably going to be okay. And, you know, I've started doing that as well to kind of help me rein in all of that panic and all those thoughts sure. um, to try to 
try to do okay yeah well i don't think any of us can achieve you know total perfection and i think that's a, that's a big thing you have to say let go of yourself is you know perf perfect doesn't it doesn't exist because there's always some element of error somewhere and if you can't can't allow those minor errors to come in and not ruin your entire day everything is going to go terrible um but uh, yes yeah, so i had a few things like i i when I started this with podcast and also tried doing like a clothing brand on the side, I wanted to go uh, take the podcast out and meet people doing cool stuff out and about. And uh, I thought the pandemic kind of stopped that for starters. It was like, oh, I could do this. And then it was like, no, you can't. So <laughs> I had to bring it all indoors and not go out. Um, but the idea is that I wanted to go out and meet people and speak about the, the cool things they were doing, like at skate parks or, you know, jujitsu tournaments or whatever, and just meet people and say like, you know, what's inspired you to be here and what sort of struggles have you led to that might have made you quit? Um, and, and, and then find it and highlight, and again, that all those people fail, but they all pick themselves back up and they all continue to try. Like for me, and it's been said it like a few times in a few of these episodes, but um, as a kid, doing team sports didn't work for me because everybody expects you to be flawless at all times and the slightest mistakes you will be criticised for. So then I had to go out and do like solo sports like skateboarding or inline or whatever. And you find in those kind of sports so much more support for your failures. So for me, that's, that's such a huge thing is to recognise that you're going you're gonna to fail but it's as long as you pick yourself back up, try again, improve on the mistakes you made and just keep going. If it's something you love, something you're passionate about, there's going to be errors and those are allowed. Um, so, yeah, you've got to try, try to not take yourself too seriously and expect too much of yourself because things can and will go wrong. But you shouldn't give up. You know, you shouldn't quit. And with the right people around you and the right support, those failures will be like, ah, oh, I saw what you did wrong there. But if you just try this and you go, awesome, thank you very much, and move on and try again and hopefully, you know, improve. Um, but yeah, with the clothing brand thing, it was like, right, well, I need to have like 10 items in the shop. The website has to look perfect because otherwise no one will come and no one will shop again. And it's just sort of like, bring it all back again It's realize you you know you've not got the funding of someone like you say like steve jobs and apple you know you can't put all this money into media and advertising and having the perfect product um straight away you know you've got to start from something you know hence you know, this the whole fear thing started um i noticed the hat I noticed yeah the hat. it's the hat i've got it on a mug as well look um yeah it, it is that i think to be afraid is fine you know for me again with the extreme sports and solo sports thing is if you analyze the issue and the danger you can approach it in a safer manner if you're not afraid of it you're going to do something reckless and something's going to go wrong so fear to me is a great tool because it helps you to analyze what you're about to do in a way that you can make it successful so it's, it is that it's face it rise above it you know face your failures rise above it find a way to face you know your mental health issues for me is 
talking about it, telling people that I was once suicidal and people didn't realize has helped me to talk about it and highlight that say other people have struggled and are struggling. And, um, but together with good conversation and with the right, you know, treatments, be that medicinal or therapeutical or whatever, you can find a way to manage and overcome and still do some really cool shit. You know, yeah. you can judge yourself yeah, your whole and- life, but go and do some cool shit. Yeah, I, I agree 1000%. And like when you kind of touch in all the different treatments, it doesn't have to be medicine. All right, it no. doesn't have to be taking pills every day. It doesn't have to be being in therapy. It's just acknowledging it somehow. Yeah. Obviously, there are very extreme cases. Like if you have auditory hallucinations, you might want to see a doctor. But, you know, yeah. if, <laughs> but there's so many ways, it's just acknowledging it. And then, like you said, analyzing it and moving forward. I uh, I had seen, I think it was like a one of those little inspirational graphics that they yeah. have on social media. And it said about, because you were talking about the, the struggles with the team sports and all that kind of stuff. And it said about, don't compare yourself to someone at level 20 when you're at level one. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, if I, I I played WoW for a very long time, um, World of Warcraft is a very, okay. very bad addiction. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. when you start a character and you're level one, you can't go and fight a level 80 because yeah. they have so much more experience, so much more power. Oh, yeah. So why would you do that when you start skateboarding? You know, you're not going to, you're not going to be, um, I don't know. I, the extreme sports I got into were like the crazy motorcycle jumpers, like Travis Pastrana. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, When he would, when he would do like the double backflips. I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if it's your first time on a dirt bike, you're probably not going to do a double backflip. Yeah. Please don't try. For anybody listening, (laughs) first time on a motocross bike, you are not Travis Pastrana, okay? Yeah. And it's like, you know, you have to acknowledge that there's there's steps and there's learning. And it's not that you're bad. So many people are like, well, I'm bad at that. Yeah. Because I tried it once and I didn't do well. And it's like, no, you just need more practice. Yeah. Um, So it's like, you know, just going through and, you know, facing it and learning from it and improving the next time and kind of just going from there and I know I'm personally learning how to do that with just things in life more so so it's like you know what I I mess up that sweater I was making I'm like oh it's fine I'm learning but I I say something embarrassing in a conversation with a group of people and I dwell on it for three weeks yeah um I mean, I still, I still sit here and worry about that one time in ninth grade that I went into the bathroom and the back of my skirt got tucked into the back of my tights. And I yeah. walked like three feet down the hall before someone told me about it. Yeah. And that means that like maybe one person saw my underwear yeah. and I still worry about it, but, um, you know, I'm trying to trying to do that and trying to apply that to more things in my life. And by taking it one step at a time and starting with those small things of, okay, you know what, 
I messed up a knitting stitch. It's okay to now, hey, I uh, I just said something really stupid in front of the CEO of my company. How do I face that and move on? And yeah. you know, learning those things. And I I, I think that's a, a really great message that you're putting out there. Uh, that you are trying to trying to just really help grow as a person, as a human, as someone, you know, improving your mental health and that, you know, we're not alone. No, no, no. And and that that to me is a, is a big thing realizing that you you are not, you know, no, no matter what your problems are, you know, your problems are your own and you experience them at your level. Again, you can't, can't compare your, problems to other people's like I was saying earlier you know with friends whose problems seem so much worse but my problems are mine my problems are like my issues as you touched on earlier you know some people might have a problem that you think is totally benign but it's massive to them because it's either something new or something way out of their you know usual comfort zone um but we you know we all deal with some things and it's accepting that you know we're not all well, nobody's perfect. It's not not we're all perfect. Nobody's perfect. Now everybody's got kittens a are pretty perfect. Uh, okay, yeah, kittens could be pretty perfect. I mean, no animals like me though. So uh, they, <laughs> everything oh, everything tries to kill me. Uh, but we we used to have a rabbit that used to bite me. Didn't mind the kids, but always bite me. We've got birds at the minute. They bite me. They're just animals. I think just don't like me. Um, I'm, I'm See, either tasty. I'm the opposite. Animals love me. Yeah, well, there you go. You, you, it would be a bad idea to have a house full of cats if they if they didn't like you. Yeah. <laughs> Although but, we do have one that just bites everyone. Oh, she's okay. she's not she's not a very kind animal, but she's really cute. Yeah, yeah, cute. Yes, it's, it's one of them little horrors in itself. Oh, so cute. Gonna <laughs> chew your legs off. If you come too close, it's that, that false persona, isn't it? Like looking all nice and cute and sweet, but really a bit like my daughter. She'll bite your head off if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, anyway, listen, I, I've had a, a really good time speaking with you. It's been uh, enlightening. Um, I don't know if, if you want to share um, with everybody your your podcast and any of your channels, like Instagram or whatever that you may want to share. Uh, sure. Uh, actually, I am wearing the uh, podcast T-shirt today. The Squonk, Squonk and the and Hag. The hag. Yeah. Yeah. So it is the Squonk and the Hag dot com. Um, those are it's actually two cryptids. Uh, the Squonk. So basically, it was a joke with uh Krakow. um it's this uh like little creature that thinks it's so ugly if you look at it it just dissolves into a pool of tears right. and he's like that's me and i was like dude no that is not you but so then we started calling him the squonk just as a joke and then yeah. the hag is a a witch uh like baba yada uh yeah. that uh goes out there so we thought it was just kind of a fun name because we do some supernatural stories but we do a lot of true crime um we are we're on everything spotify uh apple amazon stitcher i don't know there's a whole everywhere them everywhere (laughs) and um yeah so it's it's a lot of um 
it's basically storytelling. So one week I will tell a story, Kraken will listen and comment, and then we switch roles. So he does a lot of, he loves conspiracy theories. He yep. loves um, like crazy over the top stuff. Um, and then, you know, we have just a whole bunch of stuff. We go back and forth and have a good time with it. So Super. Okay. And then if you would have one, initial piece of advice for somebody who might be struggling with anxiety and then we'll go from there. i would say find somebody to talk to uh you touched on it earlier uh for me i went the route of therapy and yeah. i love my therapist she and i like i feel like we're just sitting in the living room gossiping but the gossip is about my life sure um but it doesn't have to be a medical professional, especially if it's not super severe. If it, yep. if you are suicidal, if you are having a crisis, seek professional help. But otherwise, if you just have a lot on your mind, you're stressed, you're worried, you're sad, you're down, just find somebody that you can trust, that you can talk to, because talking about it oddly solves so many problems. And uh, you know, when I, before I went into therapy, I thought that it was just them telling you how to fix things. And I've actually learned that most of it is me figuring out how to fix things myself, where yeah. I, you know, I talk about what's going on and how I'm feeling about it. And then at the end, you know, she's, she, you know, she's nodding, pitching in little things in there, but I come up with the solution on my own or figure out why it's bothering me on my own, yeah. but having that sounding board, getting it out, processing it from this jumble of thoughts into yep. speech yep. helps you figure out and line up, oh, this is the problem. This is how I can fix it. This is how I can deal with it. And then you start feeling better. Yep. So I would say the number one piece of advice would be find somebody to talk to. And if it is a doctor, if it is a professional, that's fine there's nothing wrong with it because there is still it's better than it used to be but there is a stigma about yeah. mental health and getting treatment um and or if it's just your best friend or you know anything like that just find somebody to talk to yeah yeah it's that it's exactly that find someone to talk to lay your cards on the table and get it out of your mind so that there's somebody else like you say to to bounce those thoughts off and a lot of it like you say unravels itself for yourself once it's out of your head um but yeah i think a great great piece of advice and uh an excellent conversation i've really appreciated thank you very much mo um of course. It, it was excellent to meet you i hope we get to speak again sometime soon um, Heck yeah you can always hit me up so this was I'll fun i'm sure i should be checking out the podcast and listen to some of them uh some of them crimes because i do like a bit of crime <laughs> yeah it's oddly fascinating <laughs> yeah it sometimes is, it is. i worry about myself yeah uh, sometimes i actually there's a, a cross-stitch sampler on my wall that says leave me alone i'm listening to true crime podcasts <laughs> <All> right, okay <laughs> but, there you go yeah. go and listen to some true crime podcasts sounds like you have a have a lot of fun um but yeah thank you very much mo for joining me um and i'll speak to you soon of course thank you very much